This is Shuffle, your backstage pass to Northeast Ohio's music scene. I'm Amanda Rabinowitz. Youngstown musician Dante Basista, who performs as Unc D, is set to release more than a half dozen albums this year, from jazz tronica to a collection of cell phone ringtones, and a new genre he's called mumble jazz. So tell me about this persona of Unc D. Well, Unc D stands for unctuous D, being defined by Webster as uh, slippery and oily, and then also as uh, kind of like a con artist, disingenuous. So that's kind of a thesis in a certain sense, because there's a lot of musically kind of slippery stuff, like there's a lot of post-production. And even though we might look like jazz superstars, it's not necessarily like that all the time. Nobody thinks we're jazz superstars, but... Uh, <laughs> so when you say we, who's we in Uncti? So I have a huge crew of, of collaborators. I try to keep a small circle, but then also a fluid big circle so that I could work with a ton of people. Because as a bass player, I'm often not in front of the band. I'm often not the lead voice, so I'm able to always have a different group. But uh, my main producer, Thin Thicket, he works with Spear to the Bear and Labber Brothers, and we record everything in Youngstown at his place. Tell me about the style of music that you do, because I don't even know if I can explain it. I think it's probably evolved too, right? Oh yes. The best name you could say for it right now is Jazztronica, which is mostly mixing improvised instrumental music with beat making. I'm not into making extensive melodies or too much necessarily to grab onto all the time. It's very much in the abstract surreal space, mm -hmm. which improvised music, it works real well with that. How did you find that that's what you liked doing? Was it just experimenting or? Probably the first 200 minutes of the discography is only the iPad. And I had an iPad and an iRig. And an iRig is just a little interface with a quarter inch input. That was my studio. Didn't have any other way to record something, but I wanted to make this music. So for me, it kind of had to be that way because I couldn't record a whole band live. So I would just make these beats that were, you know, me laying in my bed at three in the morning, putting them together. And then I would add instrument by instrument. I would go to people's houses with my iPad. We've done crazy things like record in the hallways of Dana Music and YSU to get like the room sound, but you could when you just have an iPad and a cord. So it kind of came that way because I was never gonna be able to replicate a live band in the studio and then I also didn't have a live band. My one thing was like, okay, if I have an iPad, why even try to make it sound like real life? I might as well just live in this other space. So were you just like using an app on the iPad? Yes, GarageBand. GarageBand. Yeah, and uh, the, the, my track that broke first, if you will, with an editorial playlist on Spotify. Use is all done on the iPad, unmastered. Um, I use iPhone headphones to record the saxes. They just wore the headphones and then the little microphone picked it up. But yet it has like almost 250,000 streams, I think, right now, despite all of the websites telling you, don't use GarageBand. Okay, so then how did it evolve from there? 
I met the man Thin Ticket, my main man producer, who really opened up our possibilities because he can handle anything in the world from beat making, synthesizers, found sound, to running a mid-sized festival. And then over COVID, we really hit a stride because you couldn't really do anything else besides go into the studio. So we made a ton of music over that time. has released over 600 minutes of music since 2019. Talk about your process. How do you constantly record and release that much music? Well, there's two main things. I like to stockpile. I try to push ahead very, very far. Like I think now we're at the most ambitious thing, which is uh, release per week. With every January now, I put out, uh, starting with last year's release, it's called Unprecedented One. It's like a box set. This one was 36 tracks but right now it's already gonna be I think like 52 or something now are these just like things you're playing and recording or are these songs that you're writing and like I mean how what, what is this music there's a lot of stuff that I write and spend a lot of time on uh, and then there's a lot of stuff that we kick right out in the studio like first takes are what we do there's no second third takes there's no 15 times to get a vocal right just like Miles Davis the first take is the one well, and I think that that also, because I've talked to some people during the pandemic, too, where they started recording from home and they started realizing, like, not everything has to be perfect and slick and you're just oh, yeah. record, put it out there. If you look back in the peak of the record industry, like things had to be perfect when you're signed on to Atlantic or Columbia and they're paying all this money for this product. But today it's unfortunate, but the physical product of music is devalued. Not everything has to be a masterpiece anymore, or at least shouldn't, at least as an independent person that nobody really knows. It's, I think it's more important to have somebody listen to your imperfect track than it is your perfect track. And you're totally independent. Oh, yes. I take it. Do you have ambitions for that? Do you want to, like, get signed or some big deal? Oh, definitely. I cannot wait to sell my soul uh, and do, like, a Kellogg's commercial. Like, I'm waiting for it. Like, it could help with certain types of things. Like, uh, like if I was signed on to Blue Note Records, you get to use their musicians. But my big thing is covers. If I can get a, a, a label deal, I'd love to put out a cover album where securing the licensing for the covers I wouldn't be able to do as an independent. You also explored the realm of creating cell phone ringtones, which I didn't even know was still a thing. <laughs> yes, this was over COVID actually. This is one of the first things we did where we would just meet up and over the course of maybe three, four hours at the studio, make like three to four tracks that were ringtones, about a minute and a half to two minutes, two and a half minutes, shorter songs, where the intention is we had them all sold on Bandcamp where they were cut into 40 second slices so that you can uh, use them as ringtones. And it's called DJ Flip Phone. Where did you come up with that idea? Well, from 2013, 14-ish, until like last month, I used the flip phone, uh, like basic phones. Uh, I recently bought a big bin of them, and we're going to load up a bunch of music onto them. And in the replacement of a Patreon, 
we'll send you a phone loaded with all kinds of media and then you send it back to us at a certain time like when we have new probably every year we're trying to make a subscription a physical subscription type thing a flip phone yes You're but kidding. instead of a flash drive or a cloud i you love can, that because you could always plug in your computer yeah and then in terms of the market there's so many cell phones that are out there that are people are just throwing away flip phones like nothing so for us we're like oh that's a resource right there uh, where if you can get your hands on a big bin like we did for a cheap bulk price, it's sometimes cheaper than flash drives like or CDs. Yeah, and this year you've started releasing those ringtones on Spotify as Mo Fidelity. Also this year, you started creating a new genre that you're calling mumble jazz. So mumble jazz is my latest creation that, I'll say this, it's both modern music's highest and lowest point, and it merges mumble rap, it merges modern hip-hop flow and auto-tune with jazz scatting. So essentially what it is is me doing George Benson scatting, if you know how people play solos and sing. Yeah. I'm doing that, but with auto-tune. <laughs> It's kind of rooted in the live performance uh, where we make a set of backing tracks. When people hear backing tracks, especially with jazz, they get a little apprehensive because of the term. But the way we use them is it's still musical in the sense that we are live sampling ourselves, essentially. So what we do is we make this whole backing track of 808 drums, my bass recorded and keyboards, and then we perform as a band over that. And then I do the auto-tune with the soloing. So it's kind of using hip-hop production with jazz. That's kind of the big difference. But we'll have drum sets with 808s at the same time in a big venue like the West Side Bowl or the Cleveland or the Beachland Ballroom. Uh, it's especially impactful because you get the big hip-hop 808s with somebody like Damon, my drummer, still pounding away. So much of my other stuff, uh, there's no way it could ever be performed live. There's no way ever. Uh, I'll say that right now. It's never going to happen. It, it won't ever sound that way. Whereas mumble jazz, you might get a similar thing because there's the same music that we're performing over in a sense. Hmm. But the thing with mumble jazz that's kind of crazy is we made these backing tracks for a whole album's worth slash show's worth, like 12 songs. And all of these gigs that we've had, we're performing over them. So we were practicing for a show, which ended up becoming a single. That's no wasted space. But wow. the, the end game, and I'm going to release singles every other week, all year. And then at the end of the year is a big album called Mumble Jazz. So you've been releasing this Mumble Jazz music. You've been playing a lot of it live. How has this been going? How have audiences been receiving it? I'm a jazz outsider. I'm not educated in any music in any way. I received a great uh, musical education on saxophone as a youngster at Lowville High School. Never took any collegiate music theory classes, never took a bass lesson. So so I'm always trying to bring jazz to the non-jazz audiences in a sense. So with the mumble jazz, it's the perfect way of saying, hey, jazz is elitist in a sense. I don't think so. But, but, uh, perceived. but people perceived, yes. Whereas mumble jazz or mumble rap uh, is also perceived as pretty low. 
So it's a good way of kind of reaching across and letting everyone know, hey, we're a jazz band and this is jazz music. I'm not singing any words ever. When I do the uh, auto-tune, I'm never going to sing a lyric, even if it's a cover, because it's jazz. But it's, you know, people can enjoy this jazz because it's closer to them and what they listen to. Dante, anything else you want to say? Um, I just want to, I guess I'll leave on a positive note. I want everybody, if you are a musician or creative, looking in your folders of your phones or your computer to release the music that you say you're going to finish that you're not going to finish. Release it. You could always re-release it and finish it again, but share that music. Uh, Anything that you think isn't good enough for other people, show somebody, and I guarantee they're not going to think it's not good enough. So make somebody's day and make your own day by sharing your art that could possibly never get shared with anybody. I love that. I think that's good advice. Do you do this full-time? Are you a full-time musician? Oh, no. And and I love telling people that I'm not full-time because guess what? I have 93,000 monthly listeners. You could be a part-time musician. It's all about how you use your time. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. That's Dante Basista, who performs as Ankh D. You can find links and more at ideastream.org shuffle. Shuffle is your backstage pass to Northeast Ohio's music scene. I'm Amanda Rabinowitz, IdeaStream Public Media.